0: Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo.
1: We want to spend some time on the San Francisco-Philly game, so why have me do it when I can have the expert on who has done all these games all years, done a great job with Kevin Burkhardt. was in Philadelphia yesterday for the demolition with that Niner offense. What a performance. Scored, what, five times in a row? Uh, he's Greg Olson of Fox. He says, well, Greg, nice to have you with us here. Congratulations on a great two-year run. Good to have you aboard. How are you today, Okay.
0: Yeah, I'm doing great. It's good to be on. This brings back uh, a lot of memories for a North Jersey kid who listened to a lot of... Fan, W-S-A-N, driving in the car with his dad. So there you,
1: and I saw you play in high school, and I knew how good you were. So there you go. I was over there to see our buddy Pat Cosgrove, many a game Absolutely. to see you dominate. So I, I knew a tight end and everything else. So all right, we got a lot to do here. First, the Niners, I think you'd agree right now uh, it's, listen, a lot can happen, injuries and everything else. But right this second, on December 4th, and it's more February 4th you want to be, not December 4th, but right now, pound for pound, they're the best team in football. Would you agree?
0: Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, they, I think it's pretty obvious they have the two most impressive wins of the year yesterday being one and taking down, you know, who was perceived as being one of the top teams, but definitely the best record in the league in Philadelphia. And then, you know, about a month or two ago and, you know, the way they handled Dallas. So, I mean, you, you could argue two of the best teams in the league, Philly and Dallas, San Francisco has beaten both of them and put up 40 points plus in, in each game. So this iteration of this of this team especially with the health now back on offense with Debo back and Trent Williams it seems like after the bye week now they've kind of found their stride um after losing it there for a couple weeks prior yeah i agree this is the hardest team to beat if they stay healthy and they continue to play at this level they have the best roster, and I think schematically, all things considered, they're the hardest beat going to the Super Bowl, no question.
1: Uh, do you think uh, Purdy answered all the calls yesterday of whether he can win a huge game on the road? Do you now feel confident that in a pressure cooker of a championship game, if he had to, he's capable of taking a team down the field late in the fourth quarter? are uh, you feel good about that based on yesterday? What's your thoughts there?
0: I do. I've been a believer on Purdy. I mean, we, we called his, you know, debut last year, got the home start against Tom Brady and the bucks. And granted that bucks team didn't turn out to be, you know, it really what everyone thought, but obviously it was against head to head against the greatest of all time and Brady and whatnot. And we see, we saw him from day one, and outside of you know a couple tough losses this year, I mean, since he's taken over as the full-time starter, he is number one like across the board in every significant metric. Obviously, one of the most important being wins and passer rating and yard. And you can go; we can spend two hours talking about metrics. I think the novelty of his story, I think, should be over. It's no longer just a feel good. It's no longer all well, it's great. And then everyone wants to present a caveat that he's a a Mr. Irrelevant and the scheme is so good and Shanahan and all this. He is a flat out player. He's a flat out NFL starter. He's a flat out MVP candidate this season. And uh, I I think any conversation around Purdy that wants to bring in reasons why he's good, other than the fact that he just is good, I think is I, I think is irresponsible.
1: All right. Good one. So you think Purdy would be good anywhere and it's not just because of Shanahan's quarterback friendly system?
0: I think it all goes hand in hand. I I don't ever believe we should punish players for playing with other good players. I don't think we should ever punish players for playing for good coaches. I think if you get into that conversation, there's a lot of careers that we would all call into question. I think the nature of being, you know, we don't take away from Jerry Rice that he played with Joe Montana and Steve young, right? They, they, they both contribute to their own successes individually and collectively. So yes, Kyle Shanahan, his system is great, but, There's been other quarterbacks who have not done as well in that system, and there's been other quarterbacks that he hasn't been able to find their way like that Purdy has had consistently since taking over. So I I think while while you can say he's surrounded by great players and McCaffrey and Kittle and Debo and Ayuk, yes, that is all true but I don't think any of it should come and take away anything from what Purdy has done. I think individually he is as big a part of the success of that team as any of maybe those more household names.
1: Are you impressed by the fact that the Niners had a terrible first quarter with their two drives and somehow then from that point on put 42 points on the board on the road against a pretty good defense? Are you, sh- Are you? Um, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying you're shocked by it, but how impressed are you that their actual first two drives are terrible and they regrouped on the road to score 42 in the last three quarters of the game?
0: Yeah, the way the game started, I mean, Philadelphia came out rolling. I mean, it it looked like for a minute that it was going to be a runaway in the other direction. I think the saving grace was even though they allowed Philly to go back-to-back down the field on offense, San Francisco's ability to stop. So going into into that game yesterday, we showed the graphic right before the first field goal. Philadelphia had scored on six consecutive red zone trips. It was the most it was the longest streak current streak in the league this year, and then their first two drives ended field goal, field goal. So what felt like a disastrous quarter, they had minus six yards of offense San Francisco did. Philadelphia was well over a hundred, and the score was six to nothing. So I think at the end of that quarter for as bad things as bad as things went for San Francisco, they're saying, all right, we're down six nothing and then it was just an onslaught. They scored on the next six possessions. Six touchdowns in a row, all offensively. And it was a runaway. So it, the, the beginning of the game was two possessions in the red zone for Philadelphia led to six points. And then in the second quarter, two possessions by San Francisco that ended in the red zone ended in 14. That was the difference to the game. And then from there in the second half, it kind of got away from Philly.
1: Who is the most important guy with Greg Olson, folks called the game? Yes, he does a great job with Burkhardt on Fox. Who is their most important guy in your eyes offensively? Who could they, was it McCaffrey? I know you played with them. Who is the one guy in your, in your view on that offense that they would miss the most if he was out.
0: Yeah, so t- take quarterback out, because I-, yeah, I think absolutely. every team in the league, every team in the league, whether it's Purdy or Josh Allen or Mahomes or J- Allen, um, you know J- Jalen Hurts, I don't think any team is really prepared to lose their starting quarterback. So aside from him, I think it's McCaffrey. I, I just think everything that – the way that is built, the amount of attention he demands – the amount, the amount of things that Shanahan can do with him, not only running the ball between the tackles, on the perimeter, screen grain, third down pass, check down. There's just the amount of things that he's able to shoulder the load on that allows Shanahan now to get creative with Debo Samuel and Kittle. It's hard to believe there's an offense where Debo Samuel and Kittle and Ayuk are the second, third, and fourth options. I mean, it's it's unheard of. If they were on other teams, they'd be the clear-cut number one. That's what makes San Francisco so unique. I think McCaffrey's kind of the linchpin of all that. But I don't want to lose Kittle. I don't want to lose Debo. I mean, those guys are all so uniquely talented. But I think McCaffrey's role as a receiver and a back and what they're able to do with him moving him around, I think is the key factor for, for a lot of that Shanahan's able to put together with that offense.
1: Greg, do you think San Francisco's defense is good or great?
0: I think they have great I think they have great pieces. I think they've been borderline great yesterday I thought they were great. I thought yesterday they were big time I think if we see that if we see the San Francisco offense we've seen the last couple weeks I think since they traded for Chase Young I think their secondary under Steve Wilkes has been just. The biggest improvement of that entire team is what Steve Wilkes has done, the new defensive coordinator, what he's done with that secondary. That secondary was always kind of the afterthought of behind the linebackers, Fred Warner and Greenlaw, and then, of course, the pass rush in the front. That secondary's improvement is the story of the defense. If they continue to stay healthy and they play like they did yesterday, I think they're, they have the capability of everything of being a great defense in conjunction with, you know, with arguably the best offense in the league.
1: And they are helped a lot too from a salary salary cap perspective, because they're not paying a quarterback forty million dollars a year. If you can get that quarterback who's very good early in his career, Russell Wilson, Seattle, Kaepernick, San Francisco. If you can get that quarterback, right, Greg, who is early in his career and not yet being paid that kind of money, you get the most important position paid for with a little money and if he's good and overpay and plays great is a $30 million player and you're getting him for a million bucks, you can use that money to help you other places, which makes you extra tricky. That's a big advantage San Francisco has right now over everybody else. How about that? Let me hear.
0: Oh I, Yeah, a hundred percent. There's two ways to win in the NFL within reason. There's a few exceptions. Every few years we see kind of an anomaly, but there's generally two paths to having sustained year in year out playoff caliber, championship caliber expectations. You either have a situation like San Francisco where you, you know, Russell Wilson years ago, the, the, all these examples, you have a late round guy who makes very little money relative to the market, who can play for five years, four, you know, four years. You maybe have a franchise. You get them for at least four years at very little money. And now you have the ability to pay all your other stars, the Nick Bosa's, the, you know, the Fred Warners, the Kittles, the Christian McCaffrey's, right? You can keep all of those guys intact. The other side of that coin is you have, you know, Josh Allen, you have Jalen Hurts, you have Mahomes, where over time, because they're making 50 million, you can only, all of a sudden, now you lose a receiver. All of a sudden you lose the defensive end. You lose some of these other supporting pieces, but the idea is Patrick Mahomes takes that team to the Super Bowl last year after letting Tyreek Hill go. They're, they're so good that that's the reason you pay them $50 million is because they can make up for the roster holes because that's what makes them one of the elite guys of the position. If you have somebody in the middle, somebody who's making $30, 40000000 and taking that cap space, but he can't carry you, You're in he trouble. can't make up for it. You're in trouble. That That is not a pathway to victory. You need a young guy who's cheap, or you need a superstar. Everybody in between... That's a, tough str- that's a tough road to, to, to plow.
1: That's a tremendous analysis, and I completely agree. All right, let's do the Eagles. You want to chalk this up to the idea that they've had a brutal schedule for we fortunate to beat Dallas. We all know about the first Washington game in overtime. Could have lost to Buffalo if Scantling makes the catch. They would have lost in Kansas City, so they were due for a bad one. Do we want to chalk it up to that, market correction, so to speak? Or do we see signs recently highlighted by yesterday that would make you very concerned? Concerned about Philly long term? What's your take with them?
0: Yeah, I, I still like I still like Philly. This this is a coach quarterback league, and I think Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. I, I think as long as those two guys are there, I think the talent, especially offensively, the Philly. I still love Philly. I like their offense. I love Sirianni. I love the entire culture that they present. I think they. I think. I think they're still good there. The reality of the situation is yesterday's performance by the defense was not a one off. This team, if they play with a lead and they're rushing the passer and you let Sweat and, and Hassan Reddick and Jalen Carter get after the passer, yes, they're great. But their secondary and ability to defend the pass has really struggled. They were the best pass defense in the league last year, which is why they were so dominant. And you know, you correlate that now with how good their offense was last year, and that's why they made the Super Bowl. This year, the defense just hasn't been that. They're bad on off they're bad on third down, they're bad in the red zone, and they're bad defending the pass. That's a hard formula for the offense to always have to overcome. So I think all the questions right now. If they can solidify their back seven, their front is excellent. If they can get better at linebacker, get healthy, continue to improve in the secondary, just communication, get things. If they can keep a lid on the pass defense, I still think they're a Super Bowl team. I still think they're an NFC contender, but they're not with the current state of their defense. That's what scares me. Love Hurts, love Sirianni, love everything about them. They've got to play better pass defense. To make a run.
1: Well, I think right now, too, there's a little psychological thing. San Francisco and Samuel always thought that last year wasn't a fair fight because of Purdy getting hurt. They go to San Francisco, they go to Philadelphia late in December. They they talk. They do this. They do that. And then they blow them out. And now you think about it. If, San, if Philly loses to Dallas on Sunday, I don't know if San Francisco's going to lose a game if you look at that schedule. Maybe the Ravens on Christmas night, but probably won't lose a game, which means you're thinking about Philadelphia having to go out there to win a championship game and that will be very difficult to do to beat the Niners in that building in late January. Plus the Niners would have the week off because they would be the one seed and Philadelphia would have to play Dallas in round two. So a lot of things right now favor San Francisco and the NFC. What's your take with that? Let me hear.
0: Yeah, and Absolutely. And and the biggest thing is we started off San Francisco right now has the tiebreaker over both Philly and Dallas, right? So Philly and Dallas will play each other again next week. Philly's currently up 1-0. Now in next week, Sunday night in Dallas, we'll see how that series ends up. But right now, Philly and Dallas have to have one more win than San Francisco, obviously, in the playoff standings to be above them. San Francisco just has to tie them. San Francisco just finishes even even with those two. They win the tiebreaker because they've won both head-to-head. So that's it. Down the stretch here now with five weeks to go, that is a huge, huge benefit for San Francisco because the, the, you know, the first tiebreaker obviously being head-to-head. So I, I think we knew this was a touch, tough stretch for Philly. I think in fairness to Philly, the, the gauntlet they've been on between the Chiefs, Buffalo come from behind, emotional, big games. Then you have San Francisco coming to your house. Now you go to Dallas. they got to get through this Dallas game, and then they're, the last couple weeks of the season everything kind of settles off. So they gotta, They got to hold serve here the best they can and stay alive. They have a lot of wins at the end of their schedule, Philadelphia dudes coming up, but they've got another two weeks until they can get to it and they gotta they gotta hold on and catch their breath a little bit.
1: Are players motivated in the NFL by home field? Does that motivate a player or not?
0: Absolutely. I I think every player loves playing in front of the home crowd, loves sleeping in their own bed, loves not getting on a plane flying cross country, even though the home, you know, during the regular season, I think in the last couple of years, we've kind of seen that home field advantage, at least statistically across the league kind of shrink. It's not as big as an advantage with the way teams travel now and the private jets and what we know about nutrition and everything. Being on the road is not as big, but I think come playoff time, Come the biggest moments, I think, being in your home stadium, being in the comfort of your own city, the comforts of your own fans, I think in an even game definitely can can change the outcome so yeah i think every player especially now with only being one buy i think the buy is the other element you yeah. get that buy and you, you sit at home on wild card week man it is the best feeling in the world watching other teams beat each other up and just wait for the winner no
1: it's almost like you already got a win you know uh, you've won a game already no if you get the buy the other thing that's important greg in the, and i'll let you go here in a sec the other thing that's important in the nfc is if you're the one seed chances are you won't have to look at dallas into the uh, into the championship game. If you're the two seed, you know, assuming that Dallas wins and Detroit wins and Detroit ends up to the three, they would go play necessarily. I mean, there's a good chance if you're a Philadelphia and you finish as a two, like San Francisco did last year, you might have to play Dallas before you play San Francisco. So Dallas has the extra team that Niners or Cowboys have to work through makes it also, also tricky. So you have the bye, you have the home field, and then you have the idea that you might have to go through both of them to get to a Super Bowl. That's the third aspect of this NFC. How about that?
0: Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. I think that's a huge, huge element the way they reseed the highest seeds and whatnot. The fact that either Philly or Dallas, who are definitely two of the top. You know, call it five teams in the entire league, NFC, AFC combined, right? The fact that one of them is going to be the five seed in the NFC playoffs, have to play a road wild card game, and then be waiting on if everyone else holds serve and the other wild card teams lose, you know, they'd be the lowest seed. So they could go to the one, but if one of the other wild cards wins, they would go to the one. So the fact that such a top caliber team, a 10, 11 win team, is a five seed. Changes the entire mass there in the playoffs the way they reseed after the wild card round. So yeah, I, I think you could get lucky and get a good divisional round game, or you could get a tough draw and have a Dallas coming to your place in a wild card because they, they went they beat a division winner in the first round of the playoffs and now you're for, you know, now they're coming well, to you. So I, I think all of that plays in. End of the day, get the bye, get the number one seed. I hope whoever ends up whoever ends up coming to you in the divisional round. You'll, you'll live with
1: it. Well, remember, last year, folks, it didn't work quite that way because the Giants, who were a uh, lower seed, a uh, six seed, they yep. beat the Vikings, yep. who were the two seed. So as a result of that, the Giants went to Philly and Dallas had to go to San Francisco. If San Francisco's yep. the one, Philly's the two, Detroit's the three. Uh, let's say that. And, 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 there's, and everybody holds serve. Dallas would go to San Francisco and Detroit yep. would go to Philly. So theoretically, the Niners would still have to go through both. And that's another question. Last one, Greg. That's another one. Would you argue that you should do this via record instead of divisional scenario? For instance, Dallas, if they have a great record, still have to play at Atlanta, who would have a bad record. And then San Francisco, the one seed, instead of playing the team with the worst record, would get the best wild card who's better than, say, Detroit. You think that should be changed?
0: yeah I, I well I think especially now that they 've introduced a seventh game right a seventh team right so now, in the old days, it was only six teams made it, the top two got a bye. and then the two you know the three through six played the wild card weekend now with the extra wild card game you 're introducing the seventh best team in the conference who in you know obviously in every year prior to the last couple wouldn 't even be in the playoffs so now you 're introducing lower you know teams with less wins you can make or break whether they're you know inferior or whatnot but it does change the entire math because in the example you just showed if all the division winners win but dallas beats the four seed right so they beat so say the four seed is the winner of the nfc south most likely the winner of the nfc south will be the four seed if dallas beats them as the five which you would imagine they'd be the favorite or philly is the five and they're the favorite now all of a sudden you earn the buy, you got the number one seed, yes, you have a home game, but now you have Philly or Dallas, whoever ends up being the runner-up in the NFC East. Your reward in the divisional round is to face one of the top three teams in the league. So it gets a little dicey, that's why there's a lot of people that say forget division winners. Yes, you all make the playoffs, those four division winners make the playoffs, but you don't you don't get one, two, three, four automatically. You might be the seventh seed even if you win. You know, the NFC South winner this year probably has the seventh, sixth or seventh best You're record. right.
1: Make Atlanta yeah. the seventh so, seed. You get automatically in yeah, the playoffs, so, but make Atlanta the sixth or seventh seed but doesn't get a home game. You could do that. That's a fair yeah. point. Yes. Yeah.
0: Right. So I think there's an argument to be made both ways. Um, I think now introducing that seven. Then, listen, I, I benefited that one year in Carolina. We won the division at seven, eight, and one, and we hosted a playoff game and we want it. So, you know, it's, it's a, there's probably arguments to be made. If you're on one side of the coin, you, you make one argument and the other. And, you know, look what's going on in college football right now. There's an argument to be made for everybody. But the system's the system. And everyone knows the rules. And you've got to deal with what you know. Good job.
1: You might see the second-best team in football next week with Baltimore. I'm assuming you're doing Lions-Ravens, correct, on Sunday afternoon? So we actually, so we have,
0: we actually have San Francisco again. So we're going to San Francisco. Oh, you're going to do this. Got you Seattle. Got Seattle. You're doing that game. Yeah, so we got a good we got a good we got a good stretch here. So we got Seattle at San Francisco. Then the following week we have Dallas at Buffalo. And then Christmas Eve, we have Dallas at Miami. Oh, they are going to give you that.
1: I wanted to I've been killing Burkhardt about this because I know he lives in LA. And I wanted him to do the giant Philly on Christmas Day, which means it ruins his Christmas. So he gets down. Da- <laughs> so now he gets Dallas and Miami so he can get home on Christmas Day and he gets a great game. So you're gonna do that four twenty-five game. Dallas and
0: Miami, mom and dad. Yeah, I, hope I, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't let the cat out of the bag. No, it's
1: fun. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully uh, the parent you find you. Hopefully you find a church on Christmas Day, Greg. Mom and my my wife wouldn't let me do that game if I was a broadcaster.
0: At it's It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. So I'm good.
1: You're good. Good job. Excellent job. I really enjoyed that, Greg. <laughs> Thanks for coming on today. Outstanding. Yeah, appreciate, I appreciate it. it. You got Anytime. it. Talk you got you it, Greg Olson.